Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. My name is Casey. And my name is Matt. Welcome in to another Star Wars episode, moving through the Skywalker saga. Here we go. I know, it's kind of exciting. So this is the first episode we've recorded since the Villainous episode. We obviously took a little bit of a break last week. We wanted to introduce you to the discontinued on display episode of the Wonka Bar. And we really hope you had a chance to enjoy that and and, um, just kind of add that to your podcast repertoire i think hopefully we've seen some some bumps from that we won't know for sure because we're recording before this actually happens uh but we're hoping that we see some bumps into the discontinued on display um i saw that the uh the the crystal pepsi downloaded into my my, my account uh as of a couple days ago what's on tap for this week when this episode releases i honestly cannot remember <laughs> no worries no worries um um however there is I, it's not this episode but the next episode is a muppets uh Ooh. food item so oh my goodness uh, you got to do a little bit of both there oh i i was ecstatic i that was ecstatic awesome. with that so yeah so, keep, well, keep an eye out for that you get us back uh and like you said uh star wars episode Episode three, Revenge of the Sith, we're talking about. Now, Matt, um, before we get moving on that, there's been some some announcements from a Disney perspective out there. There's been some uh, Disneyland is officially open up to non-California residents. Uh, June 15th, I believe, is when they're opening up. Avengers Campus is set to open up here. I've heard World is... I think at 50% capacity and moving up pretty quickly. Uh, Universal just lifted all mask mandates. So we've got like world of COVID. Things are going back to normal as far as uh, Disney goes. It's coming up fast. Um, and, and it's great. You know, I'm, I'm so excited. All the Avengers campus stuff has has been uh, fun to see on my social media feeds. But Casey, I've, I've got a little bit of a, uh, you, you've ranted a little bit on this podcast. <laughs> You're itching, I've got a little You're bit itching of rant. to rant. I'm kind of excited to hear your rant. Go ahead. Okay, so um, Avengers Campus opening up, I think, um, in the time of recording, it's this week. Um, It's like that first week of June, but it'll be open by the time this pod comes out. And it was announced that the Spider-Man ride, the Web Slinger ride, is going to have a virtual queue similar to what Rise of the Resistance is. Casey, I absolutely detest this virtual queue stuff why and let me tell you why i let me start with i get what they're trying to do um the universal opened hagrid's magical motorbike adventure yeah and there were 13 hour waits yes and everyone literally would go to the park and wait in line for 13 hours for one attraction exactly the absolute worst experience possible I, I get it, and so and 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 it's bad press, and that's that's horrible. That you you don't want that. But right now, the virtual queue is not a like you get in get in a line or you uh, it's first come first serve. It is completely random. You wake up at seven a.m. And you log into the app and you pray that you get a boarding group. And if you don't you don't get on the ride today. So how would you do it? it, it, uh, it because me, you, okay, because right now you've got two extremes. You've got one extreme, which is you get to the park, you get into a physical line, you wait 13 or 14 hours, you ride a three-minute three ride and you're done. Or the other extreme is you get to the park, or as of right now, you don't have to go to the park, you wake up at a specific time, you log into the app, you take basically it's one kind of virtual raffle whether or not you get it. What would you do? Like, what's the alternative? Well, here, here's my rationale of why I would say just do a standby line. I get that it's 13 hours, but here's the here's the big thing. It is my choice to stand in a 13-hour line. So I pay money to get into the park, and then <coughs> I choose to stand in that line for 13 hours. And I can stand in that line and then um, and then ride the attraction. That's my choice. If I wake up and I go, I want to ride Rise of the Resistance. I want to ride the new Spider-Man ride. And I wake up and I get in the app and I don't get it. That's not my choice anymore. So now I'm paying $130 for something that's not my choice. I guess let me give you a Disney store equivalent. We did those limited edition dolls. And we would do a lottery for them where you just put your name in and we drew your name. And then you had the opportunity to buy it. Imagine if you had to pay $130 to stick your name in and just 
hope that your name came up. But if not, it was, oh, well, sorry, you didn't win. So, you know, you and I are the, are the, and a lot of probably people listen to this podcast who are going to go to Disney, you know, every other year, every year, twice a year, four times a year. I'm not worried about getting into Rise of the Resistance. I will ride that at some point. I'm wondering, okay, I have a, I have a, a, a kid that really loves Spider-Man and we are in California for one day and I buy my ticket to Disney and there's no guarantee that I'm going to be able to ride the main attraction. It's just a random, hopefully I get it. I, I just, I, I don't yeah. like that. I don't like that the choice is taken out of it. And in my opinion, if, if we are having the problem of 14, 15 hour lines, then that's a problem of capacity that Disney is to look at because there's enough in all of these parks that it's not like this is the only thing to do. There's enough to do in these parks that guests should be spread out enough that there shouldn't be lines that balloon to 13, 14 hours. Yeah, I, see, I, I don't, I don't agree with you, Matt. I don't. I think this is one of the one of the times that I don't agree with you on that. And I think maybe it's my retail days. I think maybe it's the time that I've spent where I've been part of of uh, video game console releases, for example. When the Nintendo Wii came out, and when the PlayStation, uh, I think four at the time came out, uh, when, when we've had those video game releases and those video game console releases, I've seen it done both ways. I've seen it where it's a first come first serve, and what ends up happening is people end up waiting in line 72 hours. They'll line up three, four, five days before. As a business owner, I don't want that. I don't want people on my property for three days. I don't want to take the risk, right? I would much rather have people come in. You get an entry. We put into a raffle. If we draw your name, you get the piece. I that I, I think from a publicity perspective, from a safety perspective, it makes more sense from Disney's perspective to do it that way because people are not running to the ride and getting trampled. I mean, think about it. All it's going to take is one dead kid getting trampled in Disneyland for that to, to I guess to... here here's my main difference for you though. You did not have to pay to get into the store no, of, I, of, I in order to put your name in. I, no, I and, get you. And that's I my big it. crux here is that I have to pay in order to have an opportunity to ride the ride. I can't like get on the app and 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 get the ticket get the boarding pass and then decide okay now i will buy a ticket to disneyland or disney world that day mm -hmm. i have to buy my ticket and then hope and pray that i get uh that i get the um that i get the ride that i want and that's what i don't like if i could do it where I didn't have to buy a ticket hmm. and I could just get a boarding pass and then buy a ticket, which by the way is a horrible idea. There's no way that would work. But that's my big crux is that if I'm paying premium prices for a Disney world or Disneyland admission, the idea that I might not be able to ride a ride again, not because of my choice, because of some just random thing, that's what gets me. See, here's what I here's what I think. Maybe there's a good compromise here in the middle, which is why can't they do these newer? Why can't they do a virtual queue the way they're currently doing FastPass, which is sixty days out from your. Well, obviously, FastPass is disabled right now, but when they bring FastPass back, sixty days out from your from your time. Um, you've already got to do a park reservation, right? So maybe that stays around. You got to buy the ticket. So maybe 60 days out, they, for some of these virtual queues, instead of doing virtual queues the day of, the virtual queue is done 60 days out and you basically get a chance to get a specific time that you're going to go onto the ride and then you got to wait in that, that line. Um, and therefore, you know, 60 days out. Yeah, I've either got it or I don't. And if I don't, I can make plans to go elsewhere or I can make plans knowing I won't ride that ride. And it's never a standby line. It's a virtual queue that's done prior to prior to the day itself. Right. Yeah, I mean, and I, see, I think I do you think get the, what I, do you get the spirit, at least I, of what I'm I, trying I to get say the spirit, but I also understand the logistics of it. And I think. I think the logistics of it and knowing what I know about Rise of the Resistance, one of the reasons why that virtual queue was put into place was was the fact that it, it, it's not consistent. 
like unfortunately rise of the resistance breaks down from a reliability perspective it breaks down it can break down 20 percent of the time that's a big chunk that you can have missing and so i think they don't ever want to have somebody wait in line for 13 hours and not be able to ride the ride because that's yeah. that's what happened with Hagrid's. There were times that people were waiting in line for these, and they never even got to ride the ride. That's a PR nightmare. That and and I agree that that's not what you want. But I I don't know. Just it it I and I I I just don't like the idea that my experience is this arbitrary. Wake up super early and hopefully I get it. Could you I do, I would could, 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 maybe could you do. Okay, I'm trying to think of alternatives to what you're saying, because I don't know if having people queue up for a full 13 hours makes sense, but maybe you have queuing up times that are times. So like first thing in the morning, we're going to take the first 500 people who queue up or something, or first 1500 people who queue up that will get us through the first four hours. And there's an hour break to get through everybody. But the problem is, is then you have people queuing outside of the queue, like, like, that happened at um that happened at Star Wars celebration. We were trying to manage the queue there. Like we had so much queue space and only so much queue space. And once we maximized that queue space, we had to tell people, we're sorry, you cannot line up to line up. Like that's what people were trying to do. And it's very difficult to do that and to manage that from a I'm sorry, this is the end of it. You cannot line up to oh, I'm just gonna wait till there's a space available. Well, no, it doesn't work that way. You got to go do something else because you had mentioned something about capacity earlier. It, it's hard to manage that. You're you're right. Like, and and that's, but I that that's the problem. But I I just I, I I get that rides break down, but also if you know a ride is going to potentially break down, factor that in. Like, I I, I just. And maybe I'd be okay with a virtual queue for like, all right, for the first year of this ride opening, for the first six months, for the first year and a half, two years, three years, five years, I don't care. Pick a time. It's going to be a virtual queue. But I, I just, the the arbitrary nature of it all is is what I don't like. I, I don't think I, it's arbitrary. I think it's, you. I mean, there. I, I really don't think it's, I don't think it's random. I think it really is microseconds. That's the problem is, is that if you don't have the right internet, you don't get on to the right time. Like it's not arbitrary. It's just, you know, it, there's all, there's, I don't know. I, I, it's an interesting, it's interesting. <laughs> I don't know what the right answer is. I don't know if changing it from this, but you know me, and we've talked about this on the pod before, which is I personally would love to go to a hundred percent all fast pass situation where I know exactly what I'm doing when I get to the parks. Like I would love to say, I know I've got eight fast passes. I know my times and then everything else is, is in between, but no rides. So, you know, I wouldn't hate that either, that if somehow they could figure out like a, again, knowing in, you know, you take out a little bit of the randomness of just being like, I'm just going to go hop on a ride. But, um, but to be able to say, I know this is what I'm doing today. If that's what it, if that's what it comes down to, then fine. But, um, I, I guess I'm extrapolating here and I, and then this is panicky. So please, you know, take this with a grain of salt, but I'm like, so is this what every ride is going to become at some point where I just log into an app and Disney just tells me what I'm doing today, whether I want to do it or not. Yeah. I think I, that, I think you're extrapolating because look at Mickey's runaway adventure. Didn't do that. Right. And that that's been built. I don't think Ratatouille is going to have that circumstance. I think I don't think Guardians of the Galaxy is going to have that. I think that there have been some some of these experiences. I mean, Rise of the Resistance was is continues to be an experience. I mean, and you have not wrote it yet. And when you finally do, you'll understand why it is what it is. Yeah, I, but think I guess that's, I, that's I will where... say, though, they have built the queue for it, though. So even though it is this virtual experience at some point, they're going to turn that virtual experience off and it's going to become a basic queue. I think once it becomes more reliable, a basic queue won't be a problem. I mean, okay. that key, the queue they've got in there is crazy long. I mean, it's enough to, to wind for three hours. That's how long of that queue is. Mm -hmm. I guess I'm just looking at it as, yeah, you're right. I haven't written it and I'm going to hate, if I go down there specifically because I want to go ride rise of the resistance and because my internet's not fast enough or someone calls me at 7am right as I'm trying to click on it that I don't get to ride it. And then I'm like, Oh, well 
that sucks. <laughs> so um, yeah. whatever. That's my. Well, the good news is, is they have they did they did fix it a little bit. So it's not just a one time deal. You get the seven o'clock attempt, and you get the I think it's the two o'clock attempt or twelve o'clock attempt. It's noon, I think. So so you get both. I don't know if Avengers is going to do the same thing or not. So you get two attempts. Um, if you've already ridden it once for the day, you can't ride it again. So that takes a lot of those people out. So it does help cut down on the congestion. I, I will say there was a certain. Uh, I guess um, energy, synergy, uh, atmosphere to having all these bodies in there at once when we did it in February. Like everyone was packed in, everyone's on their phone, seven o'clock hits, you know, duh, 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 and you start hearing people go, I got group this, I got, I mean, there's some fun to that. Like, yeah, I but hear you. you're right. If you're not on the receiving end of, uh, if you're like in a reserved group or like if you're in a, in a backup group or you're in one of those larger numbers, there is a, a level of disappointment to it, but I think it's just setting the right expectations, but I can totally get what you're saying. Like we, we, we do Disney a lot, so we'll get to do it. But for the people, this is a once in a lifetime trip. I could see that. So I guess w- let us know, we'll throw some polls up. Are yeah. you pro virtual queue or not pro virtual queue? We'll yeah. throw some polls up on our socials. So yeah. I, I'm curious to hear what other people think. All right. So that was your rant. Uh, yes, my rant is it. over. And what's really funny is so before we started recording, Matt's like, I got a rant. I got a rant. And he didn't tell me what the rant was. I thought the rant was going to be about Star Wars. I was just going to cover some news. And so it worked out that the rant was about the news. I, I did you a segue perfectly. I on. know. Seriously, I'm, I'm feeling it. So, well, um, today, like I said, we're talking about Star Wars Episode 3. We're wrapping up the prequels here I, i'm excited i am too i i, I rewatched it today I, well in, in and out and I, i've read up this is actually my favorite of of the prequels in fact it's not my just my favorite of my of the prequels i i'd say of all the star wars movies that have been made um this is probably number two for me Oh, wow. See, I don't know if I rank it quite that high, but it's definitely in top four, in my yeah. opinion. It, you know what I like about it, Matt? I know we're going to get into the nitty gritty here shortly, but I, I, I think, first of all, it, first of all, it's really easy to top one and, and, and somewhat two. I, two kind of redeemed itself after we talked last time. But I think Lucas does a really good job with story in this one. Like, he has to thread the needle and thread the needle and close all of these loose threads that not only he built from the first two prequels, but he has to connect them to four five and six movies that are 25 plus years old by, by the time this movie had come out. Right. So, so like, and I think he does a masterful job. Um, we're going to talk specifics here in just a minute, but do you agree with that? Oh yeah. And I'm going to get a little bit of specific and the, the turn of Anakin Skywalker to Darth Vader feels really good Yeah. because when I, I remember watching this for the first time and I was like, oh, so is he just going to kind of decide like, oh, I'm just going to turn dark side now. And that was going to feel really lame to me. Whereas no, like he reports to the Jedi council palpatine is a sith yeah he is a i have figured this out he is a sith lord he figures it out and reports it and is all about like coming to arrest him and all Mm -hmm. this other stuff and and then the turn of and the scene where uh palpatine is sitting in the senate with uh uh with anakin and talking about darth pelagius and how he could bring someone back from the dead like that's just such a good so the the seeds of well, this dark side like just so so good of how they how they evolve yeah. i love well, it that that scene too so i want to talk I make two points here so kind of bouncing off of your your point there that scene you know it you know a movie is good and you know a scene is good when it is quoted and used and and helps feed fan fiction Star Wars Legends, non-canon, that particular scene is probably one of the most quoted and used and looked upon background scenes in all of Star Wars lore because of how it brings the old and the new. And and even the most cynical fans regard, I think, that scene that you're talking about as one of the most important scenes in Star Wars fiction, right? In Star Wars lore. Now, 
I the t- going back to the turn of Anakin. My favorite part of this entire movie, it literally falls midway in the movie when right after he's reported to 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 um, Mace Windu about um about well about uh Emperor Palpatine um or Chancellor Palpatine at the time but um and says you know he's a Sith Lord and 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 he wanted to call him Nick Fury but uh, and Mace Windu and Mace Windu says if what you tell me is true I you will have earned my trust but you need to wait in the Jedi Temple and um and he waits and and it's the scene of him waiting Padme waiting Mace Windu and the in the Jedi going to arrest uh the Chancellor and you got that music and it's not even real music it's vocals in the background this you you can feel the negative the dread the the there is something turning in Anakin in that moment and that is the moment when he makes the conscious choice to say, you know, when he knows that if they arrest Palpatine, he's not going to have a chance at saving Padme in his mind, and he goes to do something about it. You do know, don't you? If the Jedi destroy me, any chance of saving her will be lost. I rewatched it twice today, that portion, because of how powerful that moment is. I remember thinking how powerful that movie moment was in the theater. It That, to me, is such an important part in all of Star Wars legacy. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, just, yeah, his turn makes sense. I was worried, and, and I think you really, you really could have botched it, where it was just like, oh, and, and yeah, he becomes Darth Vader now. But they really make it very, very emotional. And even, you know, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves, but where where the with the duel where Obi-Wan and Anakin are are have the huge lightsaber battle and and Obi-Wan's like, you were the chosen one. Yeah. Like like he's 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 so, so upset um of of like this was not supposed to happen. And in that ties back to the whole it, he was not supposed to be trained as a Jedi. It mm-hmm. was Obi-Wan did this kind of as a, well, my master is dead and he believed in this kid, so I'm going to do it. And, you know, you, you go through, uh, you go through, you know, the, the pre-Clone Wars all the way through the Clone Wars through this, where they are in battles together and doing, uh, growing together and, and becoming friends and learn. And, and so this is a huge betrayal that happens. Yeah. When, when Obi-Wan goes, you were my brother, Anakin, like, you know, this goes back to something we were talking about in episode two, you know, episode two in general, the story is really well done. It's the acting and the writing. That's just piss poor. We were, we talked about that in this, the story is extremely well done, but the writing is well done. The acting, I'm not going to say it's the best acting in the world, but it's much better. It's much better. Hayden Christensen's much better. Still can't stand Padme, but whatever. Uh, um, 
Ewan McGregor knocks out of the park. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, his emotion is is high caliber. I mean, this it, the, the visuals. Oh my God, the visuals are stunning. I'm watching this thing on an 85 inch TV today. Going, holy smokes! It's a 4K too, and and you know I know they've remastered it, but the visuals compared to even Episode One are are stunning, right? Um, yeah, I agree. Just. I think the reason why I just love this movie so much is that, and, the, and and I think I've said this before on the pod, this is the first true Star Wars movie I watched from start to finish in a theater. And then I went home and watched four five and six after this. Right. And then I, 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 I watched one and two at home on DVD, went to see this in a theater theater and then came back and watched four, five and six. So this has a lot of memory for me. I was in mm-hmm. college but this, I think, in my opinion, is the crowning achievement of George Lucas's career. Like, this is what I believe. Oh, wow. Wow. I mean, yeah, do, you, do you not agree with that? I mean, I think you could argue that that episode four, just from a technological and film standpoint, like, uh, I guess maybe from a story standpoint, I agree with you. But from like a changing film technology, revolutionizing how merchandising and all this other stuff. I, I think episode four, when you combine all these other factors is, is a very big crown jewel. But, but I, I agree with you from a like story perspective, this one, I mean, just, just absolutely destroys anything from one mm-hmm. and two. Yeah. Um, like you said, we talked about two where like the dialogue is just clunky and the acting is clunky. Everything just feels just kind of, mm-hmm. yep. um, whereas this feels very, it, it feels, feels good. And, and, and the, the emotion that's put into it and where, you know, you, you sense that the end of the war is coming and there's this sigh of relief amongst mm-hmm. a lot of people. Yeah. Like, this war is over and then even, all of a sudden uh, even the um even the trade federation the yeah. war is over like in anakin show vader shows up not anakin really at that point vader shows up well the war is over they promised us peace and he slaughters them mm-hmm. like you're right it's this sigh of relief that that and then it's not it's it, this is this has been all one big ploy you know yeah yeah so it's it's just it's really fascinating to me that really that back third of the movie is just you, you gotta, you gotta buckle up and go. And Mm -hmm. it's, and it's not all just like sappy story or intense story. Like there's some cool action in there. Like really the, the fight with general Grievous and Obi-Wan. I mean, first of all, you've got, and and you've got the iconic line. Hello there. And, um, and then the defeat of general Grievous. And I also have to mention that this also has the line that is (laughs) do it and yes you know, yes just i do i do i do have i do have a, a gripe real quick though about general grievous i love general grievous i love him why does he cough he's a drum um, he has no yet lungs so why does he cough um is this, he a cartoon, is, is this a cartoon reference i'm gonna get well no i mean ultimately kinda um <laughs> <laughs> you know now that you mentioned that um um uh uh grievous was there's a time where they go there's an episode where in order to test grievous's uh uh prowess in battle dooku sends two jedi to his secret hideaway and so these Jedi are exploring this hideaway and they come across this these statues of this great warrior like who's this great this this place is a shrine to this great warrior and it turns out that that great warrior is general grievous so essentially what he's done is he was a human or humanoid warrior that decided droid is better i'm going to make myself into a droid and so the coughing is because he is still like semi-human okay i'm gonna ask this question though you would not have known any of okay. When they made this movie, that's all retconned, which I think is great. It's all retconned in there. Would Lucas have even known that? Like how like I, I don't know, it just it makes me laugh. Like, here's this droid who's coughing like he's got a smoking addiction. Like that's what he sounds <laughs> like. He's smoking a pack a day. <laughs> you know? You know, like yeah, he's a I droid. Mean, I, it just I don't I know it's meant to give him a character, but that just makes me laugh. Like, why is he he's a droid and he's coughing? I don't understand. 
No, I hear you. I, I think part of it that is he could have had that backstory in his mind and then just decided, you know what? I'm not going to try to fit this whole thing into it. Cause when episode three was being made, the clone wars was not a thing. No. Like the, 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 that TV show was not a thing. They're not like, Oh, you know what? We can, you know, retcon some things in and okay. Let me, let me say this. So um, I, I watched the latest episode of the bad batch Okay, and they retcon something in that. I was like, okay, I guess. What, like, what, was, it, it, what was it? I'm not, I'm not going to watch the show. So, um, um, so, it was they go on this rescue mission to rescue a, a teenage rancor okay. for this underworld uh, thing. And it turns out that the person who wanted this rancor rescued is Bib Fortuna, who is Jabba's like right hand man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it's implied that this is the rancor that Luke Skywalker fights. Oh, and I'm like, oh. <clears throat> okay i guess like cool like that was one of those retcon things and i'm like uh, you know this didn't it's add like, anything like picking up a loose end that doesn't really need to be picked up like am, am i supposed to feel bad for the rancor now yeah, like okay. do i have an emotional connection to this rancor like i like i i enjoy a lot of the stuff that they add and flow into the cartoons but that was one of them that i was like I, okay i guess yeah. <laughs> sure it wasn't it wasn't exactly the connection of 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 boba fett on on tatooine and 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 you realize that he escaped the the wrath of the the, the, the snarlack pit yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah no so anyway i mean watch uh clone wars and rebels <laughs> oh, highly it recommend here it is here it is <laughs> all right so let's get back to the to the, the revenge of the sith here so the way i see revenge of the sith is it, really like three chapters there's there's the chapter one the first act of the rescue of Palpatine, right? That's kind of the first. It's, it's immediate action. You can definitely see the relationship between Obi Wan and Anakin has grown. You can see he's grown into an adult. Um, I love again the do it scene. Um, do it. Yes, thank you. Uh, Thanks. I, I, love, I will do that as much as you want me to in this episode. I, just so I you know. love watching Dooku's face of betrayal when he says to kill him. Yeah. And and you can see the look of betrayal and then boom. And you can see the regret, the shame that Anakin has. You know, I shouldn't have done that. It's against the Jedi way. You know, he's really regretting it. But that's the, you know, the first of really, you know, besides the fact that him and, and Padme are married, that's kind of like, you know, this. And of course, the you know, in the second episode, when when he goes and kills the um, the uh, the monsters for killing his mom. Um, so that's kind of like the first act. And then there's like the second act, which is the, the, you got, we got to find Grievous. We got to kill Grievous and that whole thing with Obi-Wan and they split up. And then of course the last hour is really, I mean, Lucas took, it took Lucas half this movie to tie all the connections. Like, I mean, that's really what the last half of the movie is. And you, like you said, you got to buckle up because he moves fast and rewatching it. You know what it feels like to me, what it feels reminiscent of all of rise of Skywalker. Like, you know how we talked mm. about rise of Skywalker is moving really fast, trying to tie as many connections as it can. It, it feels like rise of Skywalker, but rise of Skywalker was longer and it used almost all of the movie to do these things. This was about an hour, about half of the movie to do these things. It's trying to tie up as many loose connections as it possibly can to make it fit into this giant saga, or at least at this time it would have been six of the, or you know, all hmm. six of the movies. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I've only seen episodes seven, eight, nine, like one between one and five times. Whereas, you know, one through six, I've seen, you know, double digits at this point. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very interested as we get later in to rewatch those again, because I, I think there's just some stuff that I don't remember because you're right. Like this is very much like a tie up all these loose ends, make these connections because you do have to set the players in motion for episode four, where you have to get, okay, how do, how do Luke and Leia get separated and how do, does Leia get with Bail Organa mm-hmm. and how does Luke get sent to here and how does Anakin turn? And how does Yoda get into exile on, yep, uh, on yep. uh, you know, and how does, um, how does Obi-Wan survive and where does he go? And, and, and so there, there's all these pieces that you have to place that have already been placed 
that yep. you can't just be like, oh, and he just went here. Um, you have to place them. Yeah. Uh, Dagobah, that's where Yoda's going. Dagobah, I, yeah. I, I danced or around e- it even, because I couldn't remember what it was, <laughs> and I'm happy that saying. I remembered it. Or even like Jen, uh, 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 Mof, uh, Mof Tarkin. Like, yeah. He's, he's in this, but you see him from a distance. Like, they don't do any kind of digital cgi in this one like they do in rogue one where he's he you know there he's from a distance and i think maybe from a side they obviously used a different actor but you could tell he was like you said you have to you have to lucas had to tie stuff to what a movie that would have come out 28 years prior right and tie all these connections and you know lucas i you know he wasn't he wasn't you know it was it would be another uh eight years or uh, actually nine years before he sold uh or eight years before he sold star wars to disney but you have to believe that it probably in the back of his mind he's like this is probably it for me like that this mm-hmm. is I'm, I'm not going to go for a sequel you know you know getting the prequel was rough enough so for him this like i said this is one of the reasons why i say it's kind of like his crowning achievement in a lot of ways because he did something that was darn near impossible man i mean it really was and i get the vibe that while people are not as high on the prequels people are pretty high on this movie i agree Uh, maybe i'm misreading the room here but i i i think that most people will say you know what i really don't like the prequels but i do like three or i like the back third of three or there's something about three that they really really like and it, it makes that transition i mean we, if you hear one and two talked about, they're oftentimes described as period pieces, the mm. costumes, the, 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 the architecture, all that stuff. It's almost like if Star Wars was being filmed and placed in a particular decade, it's like being placed in the 1920s and 1930s. This movie transitions to to the feel and the vibe of four it really does you start to see the costumes you see the you see the machinery on the death star or on the on the on the um destroyer looking at the death star i think it's also one here's one of the here's my theory this is another one of the reasons why i think rogue one is a lot of people's favorites it in a lot of ways is the I almost want to call it Star Wars episode three and a half because mm-hmm. it continues and extends the hour that we get or really the last 30 minutes that we get of episode three. Spoiler alert. I am in the camp of Rogue One is a darn near perfect Star Wars movie, but that oh, that's going to be well, next that's time. Our next one. That's our next That'll time. be our next one. So I don't want to yeah. get too much into it. Um, okay, um, or so- is Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Um, I, I can't remember. Is Solo is somewhere in there as well? Um, actually, I think you're right. I think Solo comes next. Well, we will have. There will be a surprise next time you see a Star Wars episode. It's going to be either Solo, a Star yeah, Wars you know story, what, though, or no, Rogue I One. think you're right. I think it's Solo because I think Solo comes early on. Before early on in the rebellion, and then. Yeah, because 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 we watch Rogue One first. Solo doesn't happen after Rogue One, so it's got because Rogue One bumps right up bumps to right episode up against four. It, I mean, to the point of giving the the darn Death Star message. Um, okay, we talk about Rogue One being a darn near perfect movie. We'll talk about that later. Uh, how do you okay? How do you feel about this one? I mean, like, are there any parts of this movie that didn't work for you? I'm thinking through it. I don't think I have any that don't that don't work for me here. I mean from action to story to character to script i mean we got some great fights some great action scenes even the the, the fight the, the the dual fighting between yoda and and palpatine and obi-wan and vader happening at the same time that is a kick butt way i have one thing that i want to say that i don't like but i want to see do you have anything that that you don't like uh, i'm similar to you like in rewatching it and thinking about it there's definitely not a part that I'm like, I mean, cause and, and maybe it's juxtaposed with episode two, because there's definitely parts that I'm like, Oh gosh, it's this moment. Gosh, we're on Naboo and we're talking about politics and being lovey dovey. Like, Oh my gosh, this is uh-huh. dumb. And there's really not any part of that. Really. The only thing that I never really understood. And I'm sure again, there's some star Wars fan out there that can explain it to me. You know, Yoda is fighting Palpatine. And then like all of a sudden just kind of decides, 
oh, I can't beat him into exile and must go. It's like, wait a minute, get up and go. Like you're, you can still, you're not defeated. I, 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 I never got, it seemed like Yoda was just like, you know what? I'm just kind of done with this. I'm just going to go into exile. Yeah. And, so your, your, your least favorite part is right there with mine. Mine's a little bit different of a reason why, but I agree with you hundred percent. He just kind of just gives up and is like, eh, that's it. For me, it's, I love the fight. I love the fight that they're having. I love watching Yoda in his heyday. What I don't like feeling, and this is the problem with prequels, no matter what you do, no matter who does the prequel, we already know what's going to happen. We already know that Yoda will not win this fight. We don't know how it's going to happen. And maybe that answers your question of why he gets up and walks away. But we already know Yoda's not going to win. We already know the emperor continues on like, so it's awesome to watch this fight, but for, you know, that it, it takes the surprise out of it. And the same is true for the fight against Obi-Wan and, and Darth Vader. We already know. So we get to this climactic battle, which is kick butt. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, we already know what's going to happen. I mean, that's, that's the problem. That's the problem with a lot of, prequel things that's a lot of the problems that i had with uh the clone wars for a while was i was like the stakes aren't here yeah. like you're oh we're in we're in lots of danger it's like no you're not you're, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're gonna get out of this somehow yeah. um now i i think you, you that's a hump that you kind of have to get over but but yeah i mean and this is not just star wars like it's any prequel. It's it's any prequel. Um, you know, I'm a little bit interested to see Black Widow is the first time that. that they've done yeah. <laughs> that they've done a prequel, and so you kind of go, okay, you know, if I already know certain things, why 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 should I care about this? Well, it, it, it's like that really with any kind of TV show, really too. Like you get into a series, and you get into these situations where like the main character is like really in danger. And, and, and you think to yourself, we're not going to kill off the main character. Like the whole show show is built around this person. The whole, sh- like I'm watching um, the blacklist right now, which is on, on Netflix. For those of you've been watching it, I'm up to season six, but there was a period and, and this is a spoiler alert. So if you've not watched the blacklist and you want to start watching the blacklist, just know that what's about to happen is going to give you a spoiler. But uh, in season two, there's an arc, I think it's season two, there's an arc where the main character, um, Agent Keen, um, dies. Like, it comes out of nowhere. She dies. Like, she legitimately dies. She's the main character of the entire show, and she's dead. And it came out of nowhere. I'm bawling my eyes out. How is this possible? What are they going to do? Did she leave the show? Like, these are the things, because I didn't read up on any of this stuff. I'm catching it later. And, 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 and come to find out, they keep her out of the show for like six episodes and then they figure out a way to bring her back, which I won't spoil how they do it, but Holy smokes. That's kind of where I'm at with this. But this was also why I think something like game of Thrones was so popular that uh, a blanket spoiler alert for anything. Game of Thrones. <laughs> where, never seen so, it, but I, yeah. so Sean Bean is, is the main headliner for this and he's playing the main character. And about three quarters of the way through episode or through season one dead. Mm. Um, and this is a, sh- and this show too kills off a bunch of characters. I mean, this, it, it follows the books very religiously. And so like George RR R. Martin did this with the books too. But, and so there was this element of, I have to watch because I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, because again, you, 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 run this headline show with Sean Bean Mm -hmm. and you think, well, Sean Bean's safe. There's no way they're killing him off. And then they do. Mm. Now there's this, there's this real intrigue of, and I remember I, I didn't, I read the books before I watched the show. And I remember reading those books and going, I need to keep reading because there, there's no, I don't know who's safe. I, I have no idea. Anybody at any time could be killed off. And there is something exciting about that rather than just like the normal, like, well, they're not going to do anything to that character. And, and I agree with you that, that, I mean, they have to do that in revenge of the Sith because those characters are still in the universe post that, but it, it does sometimes alter the, how you are viewing the movie. I think it's one of the reasons why I think the sequel trilogy is that much better than the prequel trilogy. 
because they don't have to follow those rules. I mean, Force Awakens, again, if you're listening to this podcast and have not seen the sequel trilogy, I'm sorry, but here's the spoiler. In Force Awakens, friggin' Han Solo dies. I mean, Ben Solo, uh, Kylo Ren kills him. He kills his father. Like, I remember going into Force Awakens going, they're not going to kill Han Solo off. And then not only do they kill Han Solo off, his friggin' son kills him. Like, mm-hmm. I remember in the theater, I watched it. You heard audible, <gasps> like, gasp when, pe- when, when, when people, when that happened. Myself, I'm crying, going, oh, my God, Han Solo's been killed. You know, and <clears throat> you're like, okay, who's safe? Who's safe? Who's not safe? You know, these new characters we're falling in love with, are they safe? Are they not safe? Like, uh, there, a lot of people know this now, but in in, in Force Awakens, Poe Dameron was never supposed to be a character that um, was supposed to stick around. He was supposed to get killed off. But in test screenings, people loved him. So they kept him, and they kept him around for all three, all three episodes. So I agree. They uh, Lucas had to had to do do this stuff and but again i think with that element and this there's nothing you can do about it there's nothing you can do about it as a fan except to get over the hump i do believe though this is that is one of the barriers of entry that i have had with with the cartoons with the with the animated shows is that there 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 are no stakes there are no stakes and i think it's also one of the reasons why i think rogue one resonates so well is because all of the characters in rogue one all the main characters, you know, you're never going to hear from them again. So you just invest yourself in their story. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you already yeah. know what the outcome's going to be, but yeah. you invest yourself in that story and that story alone. You don't try to tie it to the larger picture, even though it is. Yeah. And the cartoons do, like, the first season is very much focused on, like, Obi Wan and Anakin. But then beyond that, they start to really get into other stories that, again, like you said, these aren't necessarily connected to the greater universe. So you can invest in those stories and feel a sense of payoff. Because yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree that you, the, that Rogue One is so well done. I don't want to belabor Rogue One because we're going to talk about it later. But um, yeah, like you can invest in that story. So it is, it's a hump. Like it, it and, and that's not just with Revenge of the Sith. That's with, that's with anything. And this is why I, I still, I don't know if I've talked about this on the pod, but I think I will probably start with episode one with my kids. Yeah. Because then there's not this, all right, so we're going to show this and that's, no, I want them to see the progression chronologically. And so there is some, like imagine seeing the last third of that movie, not knowing anything about episode four, five, six. Yeah. It's hard. Not, not, nobody listening to this, no one listening to this podcast can do that because we're all star Wars fans and, 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 and star Wars is literally, stamped into our brains even if you're not a star wars i mean my friggin nephew who was down here with me earlier he's six years old he saw me kind of preparing so is that darth vader he already knows who darth vader is he doesn't know anything about it but is that darth vader it's so but like i said when you're showing to your kids you show them one two three four five six seven eight nine they're gonna see darth vader standing there with his arms crossed with emperor palpentine watching the death star get built and then suddenly there's this time jump of 18 years later the death star is built you know what's going on yeah okay fine the whole luke i am your father scene um gets ruined you know or no i am your father scene gets ruined but you know what i think even that gets even though that gets ruined there's so much more i think knowing like as a watcher as a viewer you now know something that Luke does not know yet as he's going through this adventure and you look for cues and stuff. And, and, and granted they weren't necessarily there when Lucas filmed it, but you, you look for cues, you look for, Oh my God, how did that happen? Or how did that, Oh my God, he's going to kiss his sister and like things like that, you know? Um, but I agree. I think the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, um, obviously Rogue One and Solo in there is the right way to do it. I really do. Yeah. I really yeah. Do. I, 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 I'm pro that. I, I want to say this. Um, I think there's also a merit to be said to this movie in a lot of ways is the last touch point of what well, in a lot of ways it is other than the animated series 
it is the last touch point the public has to star Wars before Disney takes over. Yeah. Well, and, and take the cartoons out of it. Cause I, I, I think that the cartoons were at that moment when they were made were their own kind of offshoot mm-hmm. where I think the reason this movie was so big is exactly what you were talking that there was nothing in development. There was no movies that was Lucas hadn't said, and now I'm doing seven, eight, nine, or now I'm going to do this, or now I'm going to do that. It was very much like there was this feeling like this That's is going to be the last time that this, this is the Skywalker saga here. You know, this is the beginning of Darth Vader. And then the end, you know, when Luke destroy, destroys yeah. the second death star and, and all that, like that's it. And that we, we got lucky and are getting way more star Wars content than we could ever could imagine where yeah. we're getting the Mandalorian book of Boba Fett. Um, we've got, you know, trilogies and shows and other, like all this content coming out that, that is just, we're, we're spoiled right now. And I think thinking back to the, you know, early two thousands, late nineties, early two thousands, when all this was coming out, how precious we thought these movies were because this was all the star Wars content that we had. All right. So do you have anything more on, do you have anything more on the episode because I want to end our show today um, on a rant myself. Ooh, a double rant yeah. episode. So do you have anything more on step episode three before I end the rant with a rant? No, I am buckling in for this rant. I, you can okay. see me on the video getting comfy. I'm ready. Hit all me right. with it. This rant goes out to all of you Star Wars fanboys out there. You know that I've got a problem with you. And I have had a problem with you for a very long time. This whole hashtag fire Kathleen Kennedy, hashtag bring back Gina, whatever her name is, it's not going to happen. You need to get over the fact that a woman has taken Star Wars into galaxies that you never expected. That firing Kathleen Kennedy is not going to happen. And here is the reason why Kathleen Kennedy is not going to get fired. She was handpicked by George Lucas when he handed over the reins to Disney to run Lucasfilm. And number two, she is making money hand over fist for the Walt Disney Company. Just because you don't like the movie she's produced does not mean that she's going to get fired. Because for every one of you little bastards out there that doesn't like Kathleen Kennedy, there are 10 of us who love what she's doing. So ladies and gentlemen, Kathleen Kennedy will not be fired. She is killing it. She is an amazing, amazing executive. And when her contract comes up, unless she chooses to retire, she will remain in place for two words and two words only. um, The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian is, 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 is her. Yes, don't get me wrong. It's Jon Favreau's baby, but she's the one who greenlit it. It's her baby. So fire Kathleen Kennedy and bring back the racist Gina. So, so, and so not going to happen. She's not coming back. Get over yourselves because for every one of you that's out there, there are 10 of us who have got her back in rent. And, uh, also Dave Filoni has been made, if I'm not mistaken, head of creative director, which that is universally been praised. I have not seen anyone hate that. So, um, uh, Sorry, He's, I just he, was frustrated. Yeah, I got no, into a friggin' Facebook I, argument with somebody, and here's how annoying it was. I got into a friggin' Facebook argument with somebody who, who when I called him out on his crap, he looked me up. He literally looked me up. Saw that I ran this podcast. He saw that uh, he he saw. He goes, "Well, you run a Disney podcast, so you have no credibility." I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? Yes, I. Uh, you worked for the Walt Disney Company. You have no credibility. I don't work for the Walt Disney Company anymore. My views are my own. And even if I did, it wouldn't matter. And the fact that I run a Disney podcast means I absolutely have credibility on this topic. Uh, these but no, you're, Star you're Wars right. fanboys are the most toxic people I've ever encountered. Uh, you're, you're right. It, money, 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 money. 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 Thank you. Exactly. Um, like <laughs> that's, that's what it's all about. Like it, it, uh. it, it, and, and definitely something that star Wars is not lacking in is making money. And and you said it, I mean, the Mandalorian is, is universally loved and, and is, 
hand over fist making money for Disney Plus, for merchandising, for just it, it it's yes. I I I and I not think... to mention the sequel trilogies were not bad. I know you're not as hot on them as I am. I get that, and we're gonna get there, but they made money. They but, did exactly and, what they were supposed to do. And here's the thing, I don't like them, and I have my reasoning and we'll get into them, but I don't think that Kathleen Kennedy should be fired no. over them. No, like, I, nor do I think J.J. A... Abram made a bad movie. I think J.J. Abrams, the first movie was a decent movie. I think Ryan Johnson came in and kind of he flubbed some stuff up, but a lot of people, a lot of Star Wars fan base out there actually like Last Jedi, believe it or not. And then Abrams had to come back and, and tie it all together, which I think he did. I think it has its flaws. We're going to talk about that. But Kathleen Kennedy has done exactly what Lucas wanted her to do. Here's a newsflash for you. Just because I don't like something doesn't mean the entire corporate nature of a huge company should be changed. No, no the toxicity of why they want her gone is because she is a female running the Star Wars Enterprise. That's what it is. That is why these fanboys are the way they are, is they do not like the fact that there is a woman who is doing it. That, that's all it is. That's all it is. It's, 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 they don't want the good old boys club back. They want someone like John Favreau in there. And it's like, just get over yourself. Seriously. Are you compensating for something or what? Well, I also <sighs> think it, it, we don't understand everything. And this is not just with star Wars or Disney or anything. We don't understand all that goes on in a corporate no. nature, what she has her hand in and what she doesn't like, who knows? Like, yep. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, I understand. Oh, that was oh, man, a double rant episode. <laughs> man, you, you guys are getting your money's worth today. <laughs> All right. So with that said, my friends, it is closing time, Matt, if they want to get a hold of us, how do they do that? Yeah, you can join us on the Facebook group, uh, beers and ears podcast, uh, Twitter and Instagram at beers ears, 1928. We'll throw up those polls. Uh, if you remember from the, the, not this rant, but the rant before that, uh, mm-hmm. about the virtual cues, <laughs> um, we'll throw that up on there. You can always send us an email, excuse me, always send us an email, uh, at, uh, beers and ears at gmail. Uh, my goodness. Try it, email wrong. <laughs> try it again there, buddy. Hang on. Try it again. You can also send us an email, beersandears1928 at gmail.com. As always, please rate and review us. Um, um, I know many of you have already done that. Exactly. Five stars, five stars. Many of you have already done that. Thank you so much. We uh, we appreciate it. I I read those, and um, and I'm sure you do too, Casey. And the words that you all have are just so kind. And Actually, um, we just got one from Emily in our email. Uh, a couple days ago she was on our pod a few a couple months back but emily schraber she goes hey casey and matt love to continue to support your podcast you guys are absolutely wonderful to listen to i also love and support matt and chris on discontinued on display oh would love to hear your thoughts on some of the cutest and sadly underrepresented characters in the u.s duffy the disney bear and his friends looking forward to hearing more great episodes and love being a friend of the pod best emily so i think that'd be a fun episode to try to put together on that yeah oh i would i'm i know probably way more about duffy than i (laughs) I know we we talked a little bit about him when we did the the characters in the parks but that might be a fun one duffy and shelly may and yeah shelly may oh anyway um so please like it it really does help us um you know i and and i i guess you know i talked a little bit about this person you've heard us talk about discontinued on display in the sorcerer network and you're starting to hear that more um on on a personal note like this is kind of like a little bit of a dream of mine to run a podcast network and so um like the the reason that we're talking about it and that last week we ran the discontinued on display episode like this really is very near and dear to my heart i i i, I i'm absolutely trying to guilt you into listening to another <laughs> podcast um, and we've got um, some other possible content on the way too so yeah i know like, you're working and, and, on something right now i've actually started to think through something with somebody else as well so yeah so, uh, so yeah. I, i'm i'm really excited about it so and uh, you know if if you can, if you are in a conversation with someone and it feels natural, or even if it feels unnatural, just blurt it out that uh, you know you are Shout listening it from to the these... mountaintops. Yeah, exactly. Sorcerer Network, <laughs> beers and ears. Yep, yep. Um, you know, I, I I personally would really appreciate it because it, this is really helping me 
um, achieve a dream of mine in in being a content creator. So thank you to those of you that are already listening, and thank you to everyone that uh, is is telling people about it. We we I personally, and I know Casey too, really really appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, my friends, let's go ahead and raise our glasses. This episode has been on us. We will see you again real soon. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Do it. Do it. Do it. (laughs) Thank you for listening to a Sorcerer Network podcast.